where we're used to talking about it when we when it comes to fast fashion you know we don't want to have more clothes in landfill but when you think about media it's the same principle the less we waste the more efficient we are Hello and welcome to episode number 10 of the Media Leader Podcast. Wow, episode 10 already, can you believe it? It's the middle of December already, 2022 is nearly over, and my brain had only just caught up to the fact that it was no longer 2021 anymore. Oh well. Um, On today's episode, we have the formidable Amy Williams, who is founder and CEO of Goodloop. And if you don't know Goodloop, they are an online advertising company that serves ads for brands while raising money for charity and sustainable causes. And obviously, sustainability is a big focus for us as the media leader. It's one of the issues our readers and the people that come to our events have mandated us, have told us to champion as a publication in 2023, alongside trying to solve the trust in media issues with the ongoing talent crisis issues that the media industry faces. So lots of big stuff, sustainability, really important. And for that matter, we've just run an online event with The Guardian called Confronting the Climate Emergency Crisis, where I got to talk to lots of clever people at The Guardian on both the editorial and the commercial side, um, people who are really passionate about making this industry more sustainable. Um, Really interesting event, points of views that are worth checking out. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, And final word from me, we just wrapped up this year's Future of TV Advertising Global event in London. And oh my God, it was crazy. Um, We had well over a thousand people attending on day one, about half that on day two. And it's not hard to see why, frankly, you look at the lineup we had, it was pretty pretty good and we had nearly all of the major broadcasters we had netflix we had disney um as you'll probably know netflix has just launched a cheaper ad funded tier and disney on the time of recording december 8th disney is actually doing the same with disney plus in the us um advertising on both those streaming platforms oh you remember when it was all about subscriptions and advertising was dead and now look apparently it's not so um we're already really excited about next year and particularly with all the acquisitions and consolidation that could be happening in the market who knows what the tv landscape is going to look like even in 12 months time um really interesting and perhaps it could be more sustainable as well and we hope so so i'm going to shut up now and bring you the conversation with amy williams i began by asking amy for the benefit of you listener dear listener amy in your own words What does Goodloop do? Goodloop is a platform that builds technology that makes it really, really easy for big brands to do good at scale. We have a ton of different products that connect brands, people and good causes to help use the half a trillion dollars that flows through online advertising to do a little bit of good in the world. And what what does doing good mean? So as I understand it, um, customers will be watching ads and there is revenue that flows from that towards said good causes. So what what, what is good? <laughs> um, what is good? Well, we have kind of two products, right, that we've, that we've found um, great success with so far. The first product is exactly as you say, it's called Watch to Donate. We run in skippable video inventory. And if you don't skip, if you sit on your hands and give that advertiser a bit of your precious time and attention, then you unlock a donation funded by the advertiser. So we've worked with Nature Valley funding restoration of national parks across the US. We've worked with Pantene on their Hair Has No Gender campaign funding amazing 
charities that support trans and gender non-binary communities, all sorts of good stuff that's really about engaging to unlock a donation. And then on the other side of the business, we have uh, a suite of products that help measure, reduce and offset the carbon emissions that come from a very complicated and carbon intensive digital advertising supply chain. Right. So so who's who's the biggest beneficiary so far through your platform? Oh, um, we've done some, I mean, the Nature Conservancy is a charity we've worked with a lot, actually, in support of of Nature Valley, um, one of the General Mills brands we work with. We've also supported Feeding America. We funded over a million meals to families living below the poverty line. We've worked with um, food banks, a lot of food banks. Sadly, that's something that's really prevalent and important to consumers and brands alike. And so we funded a ton of different food banks and hygiene banks, both through the pandemic, but also now, of course, in the in the wake of the cost of living crisis. We funded human rights campaigns and turtle nest mapping projects and everything in between. Um, so a lot of um, different areas there. And we're speaking... Um off the back of COP27 coming to a conclusion, what impact do you think that particular global summit will have on our industry in terms of carbon reduction becoming more sustainable? I have mixed feelings, actually. I think COP26 last year felt very celebratory. It was one of the first big events globally after lockdown. It was in a climate where... I think we all felt like the pandemic was a bit of a dress rehearsal for what the climate crisis could bring in terms of the anxiety, the uncertainty, the the disruption to our lives. Um, And so there was this real renewed sense of urgency that came out in COP26 as a very empowered, exciting and momentous occasion. In the intervening 12 months, the advertising industry has made leaps and bounds you know the the work of ad net zero has been phenomenal the work of purpose disruptors challenging how we frame briefs how we challenge clients how we think about the advertised emissions of the products we're selling whether we're going looking at education or measurement tools the last 12 months have been a a really exciting time to be in sustainable advertising cop 27 has felt less celebratory it's felt more angry. Um, There's been a lot of conversation around the less economically developed countries who are often likely to be the worst hit by the impacts of the crisis and thinking about the funding and support that the um, the more developed nations can give. There's really a sense of, 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 of frustration from countries like Pakistan who are facing you know really really scary flooding um, across huge swathes of their of their landmass. So there's a bit more of a gravity I think to this year's this year's event. And um, to your question on advertising's role in this. Well, Purpose Disruptors were there on stage speaking at COP26, COP26 and COP27. You know, these are really the first examples of our industry speaking at these events and joining wow. these really big global gatherings about this issue. I think the climate and sustainability world has left our industry well alone for the last 10 years. And really, both sides are starting to wake up to the potential that our industry has to be a big player as we move to you know, a net zero world. 
Yes, um, it's an interesting change, isn't it? Um, and not just um, the recent summit, but Can Lions. Um, you mentioned AdNet Zero. Um, AdNet Zero was launched internationally then, a UK initiative which is now active in other countries. And Purpose Disruptors actually was on a call with Jonathan Wise from that organisation earlier today. We're, we're doing a webinar with um, The Guardian, um, which will come out the end of November. And depending on when this podcast episode comes out, um, sustainability, hugely important. And one of the three things that the media leader is going to champion next year. Um, so those things weren't happening this time last year. You're absolutely right. But going forward, I mean, despite everything you said around some of the negativity around COP27, what needs to happen now? I mean, what's the biggest change in your eyes What's the biggest change that needs to happen now with regards to carbon consumption in media buying specifically? In media buying specifically, there are some very concrete things that need to happen. The first is we need industry-wide benchmarks and a transparent open source methodology for measuring and accounting for the carbon emissions of our main channels. The carbon calculator that Group M developed and then open sourced to the wider industry is an amazing example of progress in this space. And AdNet Zero, as you mentioned, are now working globally to use that calculator and create you know, some standardization around how that calculator is, is rolled out and used, which is really exciting. Once we understand the state of play, it's that old adage, right? What gets measured gets managed. And it is so true. Once we have an understanding of the benchmarks, of where we're at, of what, what good looks like, what bad looks like, what channels are the least green within our media mix, the next step, and this is especially important given the impending recession, the next step is to understand the economic cost that this is going to have on our industry. I've heard talk about it being like a carbon tax, but really, you could have thought viewability would be a tax on our industry. Viewability is an example where initially there are additional costs. You need the cost of a technology partner to help you understand what ads are viewable. But it also reduces wastage. And wastage is such a fundamental principle to sustainability, right? Where we're used to talking about it when, we, when it comes to fast fashion. You know, we don't want to have more clothes in landfill. But when you think about media, it's the same principle. The less we waste, the more efficient we are. And so just like viewability, sustainability can be very aligned with some of the other really important, more business-focused initiatives going on in our industry, like supply path optimization, like getting more budget direct to publishers and reducing our reliance on cookies and third-party data. Like All of these movements can kind of coalesce. And the more we start to communicate it that way, and the more we start to work with brands to get real-world examples out, then the more this is going to start feeling really achievable and tangible for the everyday planners and buyers. Yeah, because um, anyone listening to this will, when they talk about um, digital advertising with people who don't work in the industry, they'll bring up, you know, these, uh, oh, I search for something on Google for a pair of shoes, and now that pair of shoes follows me around the internet all the time, and why am I seeing the same ads for those shoes all the time? I mean, when you talk about wastage, people don't really think about the environmental impact. Well, maybe they do nowadays, but you frame that in terms of a carbon tax. Are you suggesting there needs to be some sort of tax for advertisers that are found guilty of doing stuff? Like I think there are a couple of models that might help our industry move to a greener um, future. One of them is 
we put the responsibility on the advertiser to cover the carbon emissions of the media they buy. And what this means is it's not necessarily a carbon tax, but up front there isn't an incremental cost. Sidebar, not a very high incremental cost. The cost of carbon offsetting is actually very affordable. It's on average 0.0001% of the total campaign cost. Um, so offsetting is much more affordable and accessible than perhaps sometimes we think. But it isn't a solution. The thing I think is interesting about layering costs of offsetting into a media buy, into the CPM, is that it incentivizes buying on greener channels. If we can kind of shift the demand towards the publishers and the exchanges and the vendors who have cleaned up their internal operations, streamlined the way that their servers and systems operate, and reduced the carbon emissions of each of their pieces in the chain, then we can flow money to those who are taking it seriously and create a competitive advantage for the for the vendors and publishers who are, you know, taking this stuff seriously and, and, and taking acknowledging their responsibility. So I don't see it as a tax, but I do think that economic incentives are going to help the industry drive towards better better solutions. But when you say it doesn't have to be a high incremental cost, I mean, surely the cost has to be high enough so that people, so that advertisers are going to change behaviour. Um, definitely. So the, the way that we approach carbon offsetting is we work with Gold Standard. Gold Standard are a carbon offset NGO set up by the WWF, um, but adjudicated as a third party. And Gold Standard work with projects over the world as a, they created like a marketplace of carbon credits. So when a brand comes to Goodloop and wants to sort of think about their, their carbon measurement and reduction and offsetting strategy, part of that strategy is deciding which offsets they want to purchase and the price. Because different projects cost different amounts. There's not one set cost per tonne. It depends on the project. And it depends what the brand wants to achieve. Um, and you can go all the way from sort of $5 a tonne for um, more sustainable cooking implements in, in, in rural communities, all the way through to $100 a tonne for complex carbon sequestration plants. So there's a whole range. There's not one fixed cost. But working with the brands to figure out what's right for them and fits within you know, their sphere of influence is, is part of the process. Mm. Um, what I think more generally is just fascinating about your business is that it's really about trying to do something which is changing market forces. You use the term competitive advantage just now. You know, it feels like, you know, writing, commenting and writing on this industry for many years, sustainability, it always feels like something that, are we just really kind of asking for regulators to get involved? We mentioned a carbon tax just now, but I'm really interested in solutions that could be more organic market driven because, you know, because who's interested in something that's going to be table stakes for everyone? I mean, more broadly, do you think that we can really get to where we need to get to on sustainability in media without having more regulation? Or do you think we can do enough to drive market forces by themselves? Oh, I love that question. Um, hmm. I have to think, what do I, what is my opinion on this? Because it is, it, but both have to play a role, right? And we've seen the last 12 months, as I mentioned, have been seismic in the change our industry has seen. And I put a lot of that down to not necessarily 
governmental or, or legislative change, but certainly some of the third party or industry bodies or independent organisations, like some we've mentioned, like Adnet Zero, which is you know driven by the Advertising Association, or Purpose Disruptors, which is an independent NGO and, and volunteer-led organisation. So there, there definitely needs to be a role for some of these external parties because we're in that sort of pre-competition stage of course there are competitive advantages to those first movers in market but we also have to see this as a bigger challenge than any one media agency or client or vendor or publisher if we don't solve this problem there isn't a world on which we can compete so there really has to be a bigger perspective than, than competition and the idea that we collaborate first and build some standards and some industry benchmarks. And then from there, once we've got the hygiene factors, then we can compete on who does it the best and who helps brands, you know, activate it the easiest. All of that stuff is, you know, that up for the taking by the free market. But we need that collaboration from the industry first, that sort of pre-competition collaboration. However, the other side, and this is why I find <laughs> I knew you were leading up to a but. Oh, the, this is the thing. I, I do see so many agencies now taking sustainability extremely seriously. And for many brands, it is now a requirement within the pitch process. It will be a big part of how brands um, decide which agencies to work with. For us as a, as a vendor, it is on all our RFPs. Agencies are asking us, what are you doing in terms of sustainability, in terms of diversity? What are your social, you know, your social values? So it's actually being embedded into some of the ways our industry trades and operates, which is really exciting. Um, it is exciting and it's an ever-changing situation and we're going to be reporting a lot on this into next year and beyond as well for as long as the planet survives anyway um, but for the moment on that note um, Amy Williams thanks so much for coming on to the Media Leader Podcast thanks again for listening to the Media Leader Podcast and there's more of where that came from on our website the-media-leader.com it is our website you can sign up to our daily newsletter Hey, and weekly roundup of media in the US. You can also find us on YouTube where we are posting video interviews and clips from our events, our LinkedIn page where people like to comment on the things that we're posting, and Twitter where all our stuff is pretty much pumped out like a beautiful fountain of media industry content. That's it. Catch you next time. Bye bye.